Welcome to the NJ Criminal Podcast and part two in this series. Through the course of your studies and your background in GIS, did you ever do any type of research related to um, different areas of the country and how uh, prisoners who are released uh, fare on this topic or no? I, I, I've read some research. Uh, my, one of my last classes this past semester was a correctional policy class. And so we read a lot of research on that, but I haven't done any actual projects or anything with GIS. It's, it's one of those things that's studied, but I'm not sure what level they study it at. It's probably a state level, so it's, it's kind of hard to look at with GIS. Um, it, it's, it's probably a bigger issue than you think. And, and again, you don't see it in every community. Um, it, it mostly focuses on, you know, disadvantaged uh, communities of color mm-hmm. and that hits the hardest and you know that's the community that has the most problems in you know institutional racism as it is so it's like a double whammy i would be curious to see if anyone has done a state-by-state analysis looking at uh things like you know ability to get housing ability to get a job uh, recidivism, that type of thing on this topic of prisoner reentry. I think it's a, being able to compare and contrast different states, criminal justice systems, and, you know, is always a way of, of leading to reform, right? You know, right. for example, on the front end, I know <clears throat> there were many, many, many states, New Jersey being one of them, that within the last several years have changed uh, how they handle bail and have eliminated cash bail and have moved towards a, you know, a non-cash bail type of type of system. So I'm just curious, looking at it on the on the back end, uh, whether or not there are different states that have really had uh, better results in helping people who have done their time, uh, have been released from prison, um, and have helped them in in the job front, etc. Um, I, I, I mean, and again, it, it's almost apples and oranges because the states are so different when it comes to their approach. I know California has a, a reentry program that allows prisoners to, you know, go to community college or junior college at either free or reduced rates. And, you know, they have a, a rep who will be in the college who kind of helps manage that population and get them through the process, you know, because a lot of people are still leaving prison. Uh, without even a GED or a high school diploma. Um, I know where I was incarcerated, we had one of the few active college programs in the country. And I've got lots of people I know that are still locked up who are in that college program who have gotten out and finished their degree and kind of moved on. And and so stuff like that is extremely helpful. And it's not just the great, I've got a college degree, it's, it's the networking and everything that goes with that. Like you've, you've kind of done more than most people do when they get out of prison. Mm-hmm. You know, mostly it's just a survival thing. You know, I, I have to get a job. So then you're stuck working like an Amazon warehouse for two years because you have to have a job. Um, that doesn't give you a lot of room to grow. And there's not a lot of energy left at the end of the day to, you know, pursue something like educational or technical, uh, 
training. Right. Now, you were not incarcerated in New Jersey. Um, but I guess just dovetailing off of what you just said, um, do you think it is important for prisoners to take advantage of programs and opportunities available to them while they are incarcerated? Do you think that that's a, an important step towards, you know, es establishing probably not only to the parole board, but also to society in general that they are motivated to, um, you know, put the incident behind them and, and be productive members when they are released? It, it, it is. It's extremely important. But again, they're all very limited because funding is always an issue and most of them are done on, on a volunteer basis. You know, the the state isn't paying for educations. They might use a Pell Grant to do the college coursework, but most of the college work um, or the college tuition was paid through by private donors. And, and so that stuff has to be funded to be successful. And if you have enough programs so that everybody can go, it, it becomes a much better thing. And, and the people who are trying to improve, who are trying to rehabilitate, are the ones who are going to find those programs and use them. But if if the prison system isn't set up to allow for that, you know, if there's only one prison in the whole state that has that program, then it's not really doing anyone anything. It's 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 almost gatekeeping, you know, success. You know, if I don't get sent to that prison, I don't even have a chance of going to college. So how do I get to that prison? And, and it's not it's not an easy thing to, you know, get a transfer just to pursue an education in prison. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. I, that, I guess that leads me to my next question, which is let's just jump, jump into, you know, go backwards a little bit, you know, through the course of either your own experience or your studies, you know, what is your um, opinion or knowledge related to, uh, you know, area states, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, uh, and their prison systems and how, and how well they do on, in this particular area. Um, so my experience was in Maryland, and they generally do okay. Uh, they they have programs at the medium and higher level. Uh, that was one of the big things I noticed. Once you get to the minimum or pre-release level, there's almost no programs whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the opposite of what it should be, because the people who are at the minimum and pre-release levels are leaving in, I believe it's like seven years or less. Uh, Pre-release usually out the door in three years, and minimum you have at least seven years left on your sentence. Okay, and that's in Maryland. That's in Maryland. Mm -hmm. And so these are the people who probably need the most programs, but they don't have them because nobody goes into those prisons. Tell me about the things that you did while you were incarcerated um, and, and how those things, you know, helped you when you, when you were released. And, and I guess on top of that, you know, what advice would you give to individuals who are facing incarceration as to how to better position themselves for uh, not only, you know, parole, but also a successful transition when released? Um, I, I mean, prisons, like everything else, it's who you know. And, you know, you stay away from the guys who are considered troublemakers and you find, uh, and, and again, in my experience, the lifers are the ones who are the most even keeled people in prison. They've been there at the medium level, probably 15 plus years. And, and so they're, 
they're settled in. They're, they're not doing anything crazy. They don't want to get in trouble because they know there's still a chance of parole and they do everything they can to kind of just keep their, their, you know, prison record clean and get through the day. And, and so the lifers was the group I hung out with, uh, in prison mostly. And because they've been there so long, they typically have the best jobs. And, and again, in prison, the best job is the one that pays, you know, more than $3 a day. Uh, the, the basic jobs start at 50 cents a day. And you can kind of live on $3 a day if, if you're not too, uh, I guess, not, not, not too greedy when it comes to commissary. Uh, but, I mean, I, I did all types of things. I, I was a, a library clerk. I was a print shop clerk. Um, I worked in the school as a clerk. And, again, that's because I knew how to use computers. And, you know, I could sit there and type up a school schedule and, you know, the principal could just hand me something and I could, typically make it better or, you know, put together mm -hmm. a spreadsheet for what you needed. Um, so they were using, probably sorry to see you go. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's one of the things, you know, I, I, I currently have a friend who's still incarcerated and he's been working in the print shop and pre-publication, you know, doing Adobe Photoshop for 15 years. And he's really the only one there right now who knows how to do it. And he has a chance to get out this summer. And, and so, you know, he's like, I don't know who's going to do the work after I'm gone, but that's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. He, he's not worried about that. That's not, it's definitely not his problem, but it, there's, there's a, a stability in, you know, the fact that the lifers are there for so long and they kind of do most of the heavy lifting when it comes to the jobs there. When you you know, when you were released and uh, decided to go back to school, um, ultimately getting uh, getting your master's or, or going to graduate school, um, did you ever think about focusing your studies on the topic of either prison reform or uh, prisoner reentry? I I did, and it, it was definitely going to be something uh, I approached in some way, um, even my getting released from prison was an issue because I used the interstate compact to transfer from Maryland to New Jersey. Yeah, talk uh, so to me that, about that. That's an interesting, uh, an interesting topic, and probably not something that everybody is familiar with. It, it, it's not, but it was one of the most—I um, uh, don't even know how to describe it. It was one of the most torturous processes and bureaucracy that I've ever been a part of um, to the point where you, you basically and you were used to, to bureaucracy you'd been in the army I, for 10 years I, I thrive in bureaucracy I, I can generally navigate you know federal level bureaucracy very well but to get two states uh, parole offices to basically agree that my paperwork is good and everything's all right uh, took a I, I had to get a, a sitting US senator involved down in Maryland um, so I, I had a, a senator's office basically, you know, force Maryland to do the paperwork. Uh, New Jersey actually seemed to be pretty quick on their end, but Maryland couldn't push the paperwork through. And so when I was released, I was basically homeless for two and a half months. So um, you had put that paperwork in prior to your parole with I, the eye towards moving to New Jersey once that, actually released. 
That paperwork was actually done six months prior to my release date. Why did you want to move to New Jersey? Well, and so the issue was I have family in New Jersey. Um, I was actually living uh, with my sister and her husband traveled for work. And so the agreement we came up with is I would help her out with her kids and, you know, running them to appointments and school and, you know, sports stuff. And then I would go to school full time using my GI Bill. And, and so when I was done school, I would move out. And, and that's kind of what happened, except for the pandemic. Um, and, and so not being able to move out immediately upon my graduation from my undergrad uh, kind of helped me decide to go and pursue the master's degree. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned. There is more to come. Don't forget to subscribe and like the show on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you listen.